Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to, to Wyatt. It's good to have you here. Be, be sure and be praying for our youth. We have a, a, a lot of youth and the adults that are on retreat this weekend, and uh, we want to pray for their uh, safe travels back today. And it uh, looks like they've been having a wonderful time in God's Word and fellowship with one another. Uh, just so thankful uh, for Brother Josh and what he's doing in our uh, youth ministry. It's uh, it's a very exciting time, uh, and that ministry is just doing really well, and I'm thankful for his uh, leadership. As has already been read, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is is going to be our meditation this month uh, as as Chris, Christmas comes towards us. Uh, probably faster than you wanted to come towards you because you probably have a lot of things to do. But in that doing, I want us to all just remember what this time is all about um, and, and to remember Christ. I would encourage you uh, maybe to read this section of Scripture, John 1, 1 through 18. Read it every day uh, during this Christmas holiday. Just use it. Uh, pull out different verses and, and meditate throughout uh, your day. We are in, uh, of course, in a journey through the Gospel of John, and for uh, Christmas, uh, we're gonna we're, we've backtracked to go back to that introduction, and uh, and to to see what John has to tell us about Christ's arrival. It's interesting when you when you think about when you look at the purposes of the book of the Gospels and why they were written, and then you really you look at how they handle. Uh, the coming of Christ, it's really interesting. Matthew, uh, which his book is about the kingship of Christ, it's written to the Jews. Uh, it starts off with the genealogy, right? The genealogy of, of Christ, because that was important. Uh, Luke is about the humanity of Christ, so he takes probably the, the most uh, in-depth look at just his birth and how it really happened and how it was God truly coming in the flesh of a human um, and Mark, he's the suffering servant, and it, it kind of jumps, jumps right into his ministry, uh, almost going right past uh, his birth. And John, as we've already looked, as we've journeyed through the first five chapters, is about the deity of Christ. It's about establishing Christ as, as God, as God in the flesh. And so it's no wonder here that he begins theologically, he begins and really the eternal roots of who, of the identity of that babe. And so this morning we want to look at the first four verses of, cha of, of chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I'm going to read these, these verses that we'll be focusing on one more time. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So John identifies Christ here as the Word. The Word. Why? Why, why the Word of all descriptions? And he's going to talk about him as light. But why, why does he start with the Word? We know that words are incredibly important in our word can you imagine life without words words are how we manifest our thoughts some thoughts we should keep to ourselves and not manifest them in words but 
That is how we manifest our thoughts. It is how we communicate with others. It is our method of revelation. It's how we reveal who we are. And so word is a very accurate way to describe all these things that are true of Christ. Christ is the manifestation of God. He is the communication of God. He is the revelation of God. Jesus was and is the final and, di- and decisive message from God. Hebrews 1, 1 says this, Long ago, in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Jesus Himself said in John 14, 6, I am the truth. And at the end of time in Revelation 19, 13, it says He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which He is called is the Word of God. Jesus is the manifestation, communication, revelation of God Himself. Before John takes us to Christ in the flesh, he wants us to understand of the, the, the pre-incarnate existence of this Word. What was this Word before it was the babe in the manger? So the main point this morning is, before the manger, the Word who is the Son existed eternally with God in the fellowship and work of the Godhead. What we want to look at this morning is the preeminence of Christ before the manger. So the first question I want to ask, uh, or I want to answer uh, from the Scriptures is, when was He before the Word? When was He before the Word? It says, in the beginning was the Word. He was in the beginning with God. So we know that Jesus in His human form came to be nine months before the manger, or thereabouts. That was when He took on flesh. But that is not when God the Son began. Make no mistake about that. The Son of God is eternal. It does not say here that He came to be in the beginning, but it says in the beginning was the Word. As the hands of time began to move, the Word already was. He existed and He exists outside of time itself. Jesus prays in John 17, 5, And now, Father, He's praying to His Father, And now, Father, this is before His crucifixion, Glorify Me in Your own presence with the glory that I had with You before the world existed if we do not understand the eternality of jesus we will not understand christmas if the story of the son of god were to begin at the manger we would be tempted to think that that christmas is first and foremost about us that the story of the son begins with our need of salvation and that this this being came into be to uh, came into being to be 
our rescuer. But the reality is, is that long before that blessed night in the, in the manger, even long before Adam and Eve drew their first breath, before even the foundation of the world had been laid in place, there was God the Father, there was God the Son, and there was God the Holy Spirit. And their existence was glorious. Their fellowship was filled with satisfaction and love in their fellowship with one another. So before man even came on the scene, before Adam and Eve set foot in the garden, before sin caused the great divide between man and God, before the Christ child came in the world to heal that divide, Before all of that, the story of God, which is a story without beginning, was already in progress. And it was the amazing story of God's wonderful, self-sufficient, all-satisfying glory in being God. So we, as His creation, we are the overflow of the story of God. We're not central to it. Out of that wonderful overflow of the love of God and the fellowship of the Trinity comes a being, which is us, that we're made in His image. God said at the beginning of time, let us, let us as the Trinity, let us make man in our own image to display our glory. But make no mistake, when I say we are not central, that God is central, I'm not at all under any circumstances saying that we are not important. Make no mistake, God has made us a beautiful, beautiful part of His story. He made us in His image. Though we chose rebellion and He could have cast us aside, He chose rebellion. Redemption for us. He literally moved heaven to earth to rescue us. It was actually, it says in Scripture, it was the pleasure of the Father to bruise, to crush His Son. Because He loved us. Because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit loved us. He crushed Christ. It's just that we must always remember that He is the hero. He is the star of the story. In the beginning, He already was. The Son was with the Father and the Spirit and and they were perfect in love and grace and beauty and they created us and brought us in to their story so where when was he before the manger he was eternal as god with god so second who was he who was he before the manger john also answers this question he says in the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word, he's going to identify the Word here. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. So we've ventured into the Gospel of John for five chapters so far. And I'm struck here that this very first verse of John is that he is proclaiming the deity of Christ. We just finished chapter 5, which was all about his authority and whether or not he was the Son of God, whether or not he could heal on the Sabbath and make commands on the Sabbath. The whole chapter was about the deity of Christ. We know that towards the end of the book, he he says that the reason he is writing these things is so that we might believe and that we might have life. The, the Gospel of John is about confirming the deity of Christ and he starts here in verse 1 and he never stops. It says the Word was with God and the Word was God. There is a preciseness of wording here that is that is simplistic, and but yet profound. It is beautiful here, the way that John just threads the needle in using as few of words as possible to communicate some amazing truths. If he had, just said, if he had said the Word was a God, it would have cast doubt upon the long revealed truth that God is one and there's only one of Him. This is why the Mormons uh, will butcher this verse in the Greek and they will translate it. In the beginning uh, was the Word and the Word was a God because in their doctrine they believe that there are many gods and that we can even aspire to be one of those gods. And so if he had said, if he would have just added just that being was a God, it would have thrown Christ, the theology of Christ in a, in a, in a whirlwind of, of error. So he says the Word was with God and the Word was God. But if he had only said the word was with God, if he just would have only concluded, only included that, hey, if he had just said, hey, the word was with God, you could maybe assume, okay, being with God doesn't necessarily mean you're God, right? You can be with God, but not be deity. The angels in the throne room can be with God, but they're not God. And so, we would be tempted to see Him as maybe a force or a power in God and not God Himself. But if John had only said the Word was God, again, we would be tempted with error to leave behind the distinctiveness of the Son. We would be tempted by a heresy such as Modalism, which says, well, God's one and, and uh, He just appears as, sometimes He appears as the Spirit, sometimes He appears as the Son, and sometimes He appears as the Father. 
And that would be the heresy of modalism. Because the truth is, is that God exists as one God, as three persons, and He exists that way always. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct persons, but one God. And each one on their own is fully divine in nature. So John, with his preciseness, he opens his gospel by saying that the Word was with God. And the Word was God. To cast aside all error and just to reveal that this is the nature of Christ. He is one of the Godhead and He is God. So why is it important that we understand that Jesus was both with God and that He was God before the manger? First, it was only the Son of God who could come and live a life untainted by filth of sin. We've seen, right? Just, a while, uh, just before we were studying John, we were in the Minor Prophets. We, we, we've seen the Old Testament. We see what, it, what happens when men try to be saviors. Even good men, even good men, even the best of men, they become saviors and they do the right thing and then they die because they're men. And then some other king rises up and leads the people away from God. We see, I mean, that is, in my mind, so much of what the Old Testament is. It's just failure after failure after failure of man-made saviors, of men trying to be what only God can be. In Romans 8, Verse 3, it says, for, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. The old, the old saying holds true here. If you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. And that is the plan of God. God said, no mere man can do this. No mere man has the authority over death. No mere man has the ability to remain sinless. No other man has the ability to bear the wrath of God for sins that are not his own. It is only the God-man. And second, we realize that salvation is by a triune God that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because of their great love for us set redemption in, moment, in motion. We need to remember that while the babe of the manger is central to our, our celebration of this season, we must realize that the work of redemption was the Father's and the Son's and the Spirit's. They all are all at work they all in, while working in their great love for us. You know, I've, I've said this recently. We, I think sometimes we think like God the Father was like the, bad, the, the, the mad father and then Jesus was the brother who kind of helped us out. But the reality is, is the Father, out of His love for us, sent the Son. And they were all willing and, and moving all that, that all, they did all that they needed to do because, together because 
of their great love for us. And thirdly, what was, what was he doing before the manger? It says in verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John wants to make perfectly clear that the works of Christ did not begin at the manger. He continues to press into the fact that the Son existed and acted long before He was the babe in the manger. As we've already seen, Christ at the beginning of time already was. And that in eternity past, He existed with God and He was God. Even in man's early history, it appears that we have some indication as Many believe that the angel of the Lord, referred to in the Old Testament, was a pre-incarnate, was, was the Son of Christ. Or, I'm sorry, the Son of God. But John wants us to zero in on one work particularly, and that is that all things were made through him, the work of creation. He wants us to look at creation. He wants us to understand that the Son... He wants, wants us to understand... The Son's work in creation. Okay, Make no mistake, Jesus wasn't just sitting in heaven waiting to be the babe in the manger. He was active. He was moving. He was doing amazing, amazing works. It says all things were made through Him. Okay, Creation out of nothing is the work of God alone. A man cannot create a blade of grass out of nothing. But God created all things out of nothing. And how did God create? We are told in the first verses of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then how does He create? Time and time again, we, we hear it said, God said. And then it was, right? God said, let there be light. And then it happened. God said, let there be man. And there was. But He did it through speaking. And here we are told that the Son was the Word of God. He was there in creation as the Word that went out creating the world. It says here, and without Him was not anything that was made. We, we see here that the Son was he permeated every bit of creation. That nothing was made without Christ. It's pretty staggering when you think about the one in which the one who created the world is the one who walked it. Think about the species of animals that witnessed his birth. He, he is the one who brought those animals into existence. He is the one who created them. You remember when President Obama got in trouble out on the campaign trail because he was talking to, to business owners and said, you didn't build that. Someone else built that. Well, Jesus had a right to come along and say, you didn't build this. I built this. Think about this. Even the instruments of his torture 
were things He created. The thorns that were pressed down on His head as the blood began to flow out of His brow, He created those thorns. That's that particular species of thorns that would be used to torture Him. The leather that cut into His back as He was whipped, He ordained the creation of that calf who gave the leather to make that very whip. The crowd that cried, crucify Him, their very existence was based upon His creative power. Colossians 1.17 actually says, it goes a step further and it says, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. He, the, the, not only is Jesus the Creator, it is Him that keeps everything from exploding into a million pieces. That is the power of Christ. So why is it important that we understand that the world was created through the Son? Because we know that before the manger, the Son of God was active in the creation of the universe. Because we know that, I mean, I mean, think about that. If Christ is creator, that answers everything, okay? If he was the creator, if he was there at creation, then he is who he says he is, and he's here to do what he has said he's here to do. You can't argue once something is the creator, you, you have to believe it. And so if, if He was the Creator, and He was, is anything too big for Him? I mean, if Christ was the one through, whose, through whom the universe was created, that really settles everything else. He, he could save. If He could create, is there anything that He cannot do for you? If He is the one by which everything was made and holds together, is your sin too big for Him to save you from? He has the power to create. And he has the power to save and to sustain you. Hey, this Christmas, are you up against some hard stuff? Family issues that you're worried about? People you're worried about seeing? Trying not to go in debt, buying gifts? It can be a stressful time of year as, as, as it is definitely a beautiful time of year as well. And I would say as the creator of the universe that we celebrate on Christmas, is He too big to handle your problems? No, uh, yes, uh, He can handle every everything. He is big enough. He is powerful enough. So Christian, I want you to remember that as you worship, as you meditate on Christ this week, and just think about who He was before the manger. 
And that all sets the stage for that moment of his birth. It all set the stage that he truly was the Son of God that came to save the world and, and celebrate that and just remember remember the beautiful power that is displayed in Christ before the manger. If there's anyone here, remember that, that John is the great, he's called the evangelist because of how he wrote this book. He wrote this book to display to you as the unbeliever the truth that the Son of God came to the manger. Son of God who, who created and, and who existed eternally with God. That He came to the manger. That He grew and lived a perfect life of obedience because you never could. And then He died on the cross for sins that were not His own, so that if you would trust and believe upon Him, you would be forgiven and you would receive His righteousness. And what a great time of year, if you don't know Christ, to be introduced to Him and to trust Him for the first time. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and I'm going to ask you to, to stand and I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And I ask that you would respond, uh, however God has spoken to you, uh, to meditate on, on who He was before the manger and what He did before the manger. And let's worship Him. Let's worship Him for His great work for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray you would be with us in this time of worship and response. And I pray, God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that they would know you, that they would celebrate this Christmas for the first time as one who knows you and knows what this season truly is about. And God, help us all to just meditate on the beauty of the fact that the babe long before he was the babe, was the eternal Son of God. God, help us to meditate and worship with that truth in mind this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, come, all ye faithful.